I think what I really hope happens in the utopia that we build once the world floods and all the men drown <laughs> is that we live in a nice enough place where people are understanding enough that when people genuinely fuck up, it can be treated as a genuine fuck up and everyone is aware enough that they're able to sort of immediately register it and go, oh, I fucked up. And there's a reduction in the amount of drama that everyone has because there aren't people causing that drama anymore because they've all drowned. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find how to do life but it turns out nobody knows hello thank you for listening i'm uh this is a, a, a rare situation because i'm sitting in front of the guest trying to do the introduction whilst they are here, which is <laughs> not natural and weird. I find it usually weird when other podcasters do this and then suddenly you realize the guest has been there all along. But um, <laughs> I, it has to be like this, otherwise I'm not going to get it done. I'm in Denmark. Um, we're recording this, well, right now. And uh, we're about, I'm about to do a show tonight in Denmark. So that doesn't function as a plug because it's, it'll be over by the time you hear this. But I will be on tour. I'm going to be at the Soho Theatre from the 10th to the 14th, 15th of September. After that, my first tour date is Winchester. From then on, I'll basically be all over the UK till next summer. So go on my website for all of the dates. And yeah, I still have a podcast called Secret Dinosaur Cult with my co-host, who is also my guest today. So they're staring at me as I am plugging it. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure on this plug. And, uh, oh, I have a book <laughs> called Abby Fat. I have a clothing line, which is weird, uh, on plus equals. And um, yeah, just find myself. This is Jody Mitchell. I'm not going to explain to you who Jody Mitchell is now because uh, they're here in front of me. <laughs> but you may know them from the podcast, Secret Dinosaur Cult, or from the... You only did one episode of this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, from the one other episode of this. <laughs> um, yeah, I well, I'll just let you listen to it because it's going to start right now. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> did you find that weird? Is that weird? I thought it was beautiful. Yes, you, did a, right. you did a really good job of plugging our other Thank podcast you. and I'm Thank proud you of you. Thank you very much. How um, how are you? I feel like my um, you in Denmark consists a lot of me just force feeding you a lot of Danish stuff and not really giving you much of a choice. I don't consider it force feeding because I, I do want the food. <laughs> I would say I'm submitting to your food feeding. I'm food doming you. Yeah, yeah. It's a consensual food domination. <laughs> and it's delicious. We just got back from... Um, our cultural tourism for today which was sophie taking me to the supermarket <laughs> it was great it was delicious it's amazing i'm just it, i have this weird feeling of nostalgia because it was like the supermarket i used to go to every day when i lived like our airbnb is right next to where i used to live so i'm feeling all sorts of feelings all the time and i'm like in this weird days of like I used to ride my bicycle here <laughs> things that you have no reason to find interesting <laughs> whatsoever yeah we look directly onto your student accommodation right yeah 
Yeah. Which is so, so, I find it so strange. I'm very emotional about this whole trip. Yeah, is it surreal for you? It's super surreal. Yeah, it's really strange. Mm. Yeah, I, but I like showing it off because I am, I get weird, weirdly, not nationalistic or I don't know, patriotic, but quite proud of certain things about Denmark. So I'm quite, I quite like when people go, ooh, that looks nice. I'm like, yeah, as if I made it. It is kind of fair though, like the especially with food stuff, the bread is better. Mm-hmm. You were right. Thank you. The bread is better and the pastries are amazing and the cakes are amazing and Yeah. The feminism okay, the feminism yeah, isn't as lacks, amazing. Lacks, it lacks slightly. <laughs> but the cakes, oh the cakes are great. <laughs> What's your um current sort of state of mind? Where are we meeting you right now? Emotionally. My, my current state of mind is I'm slightly tired because, as you know, my bed is slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, mine's but, great though. Yeah, you're having I a great the, time. I got the good bed. I was so noble and really I'm not saying I have regrets. <laughs> um, we're also, we should say, just for the purposes of people listening, our Airbnb while we're here has some very creepy art on the walls. It's very, very, um, it's slightly problematic in that there's a lot of, a lot of things from cultures that our host definitely does not belong to in any kind of way. And I can't really figure out if it's okay for him to have these things on the walls. Yeah, I'm unsure about it. The one thing I do feel supportive about is the painting of the mermaid holding what I assume is butt plugs. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely butt plugs. It's right. It must be butt plugs. Because yeah. why else would you hold? Yeah. And it's kind of holding defi- it beneath the butt. It's definitely a butt plug. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't didn't. gaslight myself. It is no, a mermaid it's a, with it's butt a plugs. It's a mermaid with a butt plug, which I also <laughs> accept more than the the photo over my bed, which is, um, well, the photo of drawing of five Chinese babies dressed as dictators. Oh, yeah, that is weird. It is strange. That is weird. There's a lot of strange that. things happening in this, <laughs> in this Airbnb. Yeah. Do you want to tell your TV idea? No, because I'm going to plug it and then I'm going to be famous. I'm going to have it on Channel 4 or something. I'm going to make that sweet, (laughs) sweet cash off of it. Do you want to talk about what happened on Sunday? Oh, oh, God, do I? I I can't really read. What, me just covering, immediately covering my face in my hands? Yeah, because you're sort of smiling, but you you sound a lot like you don't want to. (laughs) No, no, we can talk about it. I think it's just It's probably good to talk about it, isn't it? It's just still, not not the elephant in the room, but it's just still sort of a, because it was so shocking, it's still just there. Yeah, it's so present, isn't it? It would be weird for us to talk for an hour without... Yeah. I feel like our entire existence together is a made of is one long made of human episode. <laughs> we were like we woke up this morning and we're like what should we talk about on the episode later? I guess we'll just have a chat. Anyway, let's go to the shop and on the way there we discussed what like codependency, yeah. trauma. Trauma, dads. Psych- we talked about psych- dads for a dads while. Psychology, why you're obsessed with food programs. Yeah, and then of course we looked at Cress for a while. Oh my god, that was so good. That was really good. The Cress was the best part. And now we've actually got to recording the podcast. It does feel weird not to talk about the elephant in the room. Maybe you should outline what happened and then I can fill in there. We recorded two episodes of Secret Dinosaur Cult in Copenhagen. And um, it was good. The first topic was um, public transportation, like accessibility and... Uh, safety on public transportation and the second episode was about feminism and 
it's kind of hard to summarize, but basically the idea that everyone fucks up and we need to just, our starting point should be that everyone fucks up all the time. And not that that's necessarily like, okay, but that we have to accept that so that when you are called out, you have to just be like, oh yeah, of course I'm being called out because of course I'm problematic all the time. Thank you for calling me out. I'll, I'll try and do better. But also that we shouldn't kind of, it's not helpful in any way to completely stigmatize people when they are trying. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Is this sort of... Yeah, I feel like I I feel like the what we were trying to talk about was that that point where you realize that your feminism is flawed. So yeah. for me, it was like when I got to university, I was like, oh... I've grown up in a very feminist household, but actually it was very second wave. Like mm. maybe, you know, I grew up with really problematic discussions of like classic problematic discussions mm. about like the hijab and mm. about, you know, um, whether it should be called feminism, should yeah. it be called egalitarianism? So it's accessible, you yeah. know, like f maybe slightly trans, like, trans women exclusive mm, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. you know then you you get a bit older you meet the right people you realize that it's flawed and then you can continue yeah, to have these discussions about, throughout your life because feminism is constantly yeah, evolving exactly it's not it's about not reaching a, a place where you go oh and now i'm probably done yeah and then feeling like there's no more work to be done so that was sort of the whole episode um but do listen anyways <laughs> um, <laughs> the end and Never then we we were um we were handing out badges. We were like, you were about to go and place badges at the front of the stage so people could come and take them. And I think we'd already gone like, thank you so much for coming, bye. And people had been like clapping. And then a person in the front row said, Jodie, did you just call all of the people in the front row women? Ladies. Ladies, sorry, ladies. ladies. Yeah. And there was this like hush that sort of fell over the room and like people had just finished clapping but people kind of stayed seated because something was happening and like there was no music playing or anything and you you just kind of squatted in front of this person and was like oh my god i did i did i i don't think i i did i don't remember what exactly you said but it was like you were shocked and i thought this person was joking because it was i thought it was like a callback to the whole episode of like some kind of weird joke so i was just like kind of laughing making some jokes about it but then i realized this person was absolutely serious and was I'm going to say quite aggressively. And I say aggressively because the person themselves said, I am being aggressive right now. So this is not even my words. They were definitely being aggressive. Mm. Saying like, you called us all ladies. You said lovely ladies at the front of the stage. And you were just kind of shocked, understandably, because everyone who knows you, even just a tiny bit knows that you, I've never heard you say ladies. Like I just never heard you address a room full of people as ladies ever. Yeah. Also, it was weird for you to even, there's no reason for you to thank the ladies in the front row. Like that's not just because it would be ladies, but why are you thinking the front row they hadn't done anything particularly interesting or anything? So that would have been strange. So everything was just very strange about this, but this person was clearly quite upset about this and said like it's very uncomfortable to be referred to as, as ladies and, and you were being like, Oh, I like I totally understand, like I'm it happened to me all the time and and it does we the, our whole we'd been in Sweden the day before and I mean I counted like five times where someone said hey ladies to us so I was like yeah I totally get that that feels shitty and you were being so nice you were like apologizing so much even though I was like I don't think you said that and I knew you didn't it just it didn't sound like you and then you ended up uh we were just sort of we, we had to sort of end by being like um well we can maybe talk afterwards and then I, I made like a joke 
because everything was so fucking tense and you had to have something. So I made a joke about playing like one of our jingles, but I didn't. And it was just, it got like a little bit of a laugh to kind of release some of the tension. So, but the audience kind of left. People didn't really take badges either. People just like needed to get the fuck out of there. And then we went backstage and we listened to the recording. And I mean, it is, a, it's horrific in many ways, but it's also a tiny bit funny. I think it's a bit funny. What you said was, we were talking about the badges and you said, I will lay these at the front. Thank you so much for being a lovely audience. Yeah. And it sounds like I can see how that sounds, especially if it's your second language. I can see I how so it sounds it. like I ladies so, at the front. Yeah. Thank you for being a lovely audience. But that's just not what you said. And you even said it twice. It was twice where you said lay these about the badges at the front of the stage. So, so when the person came, then the person came backstage and was like, Jody, I need to talk to you. And I think we both sort of assumed they were going to like to sort things out so you I heard you tell them oh there was a misunderstanding we said this thing but then they kept going at you and it sounded a lot from from my point of view it sounded a lot like you were being shouted at yeah and you were being you're handling it so well and you're being so graceful about it and I didn't know what to do I was like I don't I just don't really know how to handle this situation and yeah it was just it was I I was like you were mostly just kind of upset on this person's behalf where I was a bit more angry about it because I felt like they had harassed you in front of a lot of people and been needlessly aggressive considering you're not like a, you were not like a white straight man doing jokes about how everyone in the room were ladies. You're a trans on binary person on stage talking about how we need to get better at feminism and then you were handing out pronoun badges for free oh I was I was laying down the pronoun <laughs> badges wasn't I yeah. oh god I forgot and then, <laughs> I forgot you, were, about that. And then you were being attacked oh. for no reason in front of a lot of people and I yeah. I'm a bit more militant about this because it happened to you and not to me I think I think for me I really the difficult thing is that I really I really understand that anger because if I just listened to a podcast where we talked about like gender gender identity and and then at the end I went you know lovely ladies on the front row shout out to y'all like I I would so get being angry and I also you know people go through so much shit especially trans people like it is so shit you deal with so many microaggressions but also huge aggressions all the time that I I so understand where that anger would come from because to some extent it's justified if if that had actually happened and I understand I also understand that it's a misunderstanding misheard mm. and it's a second language and not to be patronizing but they, they misheard it and that's probably because of their experience and all of that is true ah oh, it just sucks doesn't it it's, there's like no right thing to do in that situation because my approach to it even when they came backstage and they didn't believe when I was like, oh, listen to it. And I, I think what's happened is this, and there's been an under misunderstanding and they still didn't believe that. And that's because people get gaslit all the time about their experiences. But it's so, it's so hard when you're like, I literally have a recording of me not, not saying this. I totally get also feeling, you know, I'd, I'd feel really bad if I had done that and then found out I was wrong and I totally get feeling defensive and stuff as well. I don't know if that was what happened, but then you you bite that and you go, sorry, fuck. Or 
even just go, oh, okay, then that's fine. You know, because I think even if you had said ladies, that's of course fucked up. Cause, but that is also the society we grew up in. And it's, I could have, like, I know you would never say it. I could probably say it. Like, I, it could probably be something that came out of my head and I would go, oh, shit, fuck, sorry. You know, that's how language works. You know, I'm not... The thing is, I do, you know, people fuck up all the time. Like, I'm I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. But I I still misgender people. Even mm. people that are my friends. Like, it is, it is a mental adjustment to make. Mm. And the reason why it's hard for us to make that mental adjustment as a society is because we're not used to doing it. You know, when people get married and they change their names, we're very quick to adjust to that. And it's because we accept that as an okay thing to do. So it's it's internalized bias against trans people's experiences that stops mm. us from being better at gendering people appropriately. Um, oh, but it's just hard. It's like I even feel guilty about talking it now because I really feel compassion for this person. I don't want it. I don't want to make it about them. It's just what what I found difficult was when we, because we were aware it might have upset other people. And they might now feel like unsafe listening to the podcast or whatever. We put that statement online being like, this has been a, this is what happened today. And um, this person expressed, I don't think we even detailed what had happened because we didn't want it to be like not, a, a witch hunt against Yeah, not that greatly detailed. We just said that someone had expressed, I think we just put that someone expressed anger at anger gendered at, language. Yeah. We ex- explained what had been misheard. And we said that it's not this person's fault because gendered language sucks. And then... We said, but if there's anyone else that was affected by it, we're happy to send you the recording um, if it would help in any way. And to then have people commenting beneath it being like, well, it sounds like you did say it. It's yeah, someone like, said, I also heard you say it. You're like, and then I, we, we found the I also the heard her say it. Oh yeah, they like, misgendered oh my you. God. <laughs> they misgendered oh, God. you in doing so. Oh, <laughs> it's like, see, see how? <laughs> oh God, no. I, up, I made like a video where the recording was was you so people could hear you saying lay these at the front of the stage and then that person just deleted their comment and i feel like i know that people have this i mean for me this is how it's different for me that why i'm a bit more less i guess a bit i guess less emotion well emotional i give less of a shit I do give a shit, but not that much because I've, I have, what's happening in my life at the moment, career-wise, and mm-hmm. with my, the people who follow me and like me, is that I need to start figuring out how to set boundaries because my experience through the Edinburgh Fringe was that there's quite a few of the people who like me who don't have those boundaries. So for me, that was an extension of that. It was an extension of me having a whole month where people had literally like pulled, like dragged me away from my friends to do like physically, like violently almost like dragged me away to be like, you need to meet my friends. She's a big fan. Or people like stopping me in the street when I'm like doing things to tell me about really, really horrible trauma that I'm just not capable of dealing with and like I have my own shit sort of thing. And that's it happened so much. And I need to sort of, I would love for people to have an understanding that sure, we're more open to things because we're more like in the public eye, like we are the people on the stage. So of course you can't be like, pretend I'm nobody when I'm not on stage, but you are also 
like that was an attack on you and there's a difference between saying oh hey you fucked up and that hurt my feelings and for you to be able to say yes shit i'm sorry and then then that being like cool still hurt my feelings though fine and then having a full-on attack on you in front of a hundred people and then you apologizing and them saying like continuing to attack you there's a real difference between being called out and being attacked yourself yeah and as i said you're not from a place of you're slightly more privileged in in that you were on the stage but that is literally the only that we know of privilege you have you're also a neurodiverse uh, um working class you know like we deal with we deal with our own shit as well yeah i know I know I I know what you're saying completely mm. and I mean your experience in Edinburgh walking around with you was so mm. intense and I don't I don't know how you deal with that effectively because it is exactly the same problem isn't it it's like in this in this set of circumstances I would hate for that person to listen to this recording and be like fuck I'm a piece of shit like mm. because sometimes things are just really triggering mm. and like we need to have more space in society for people to be able to process their shit. It's just difficult when you are like one of a very small group of people who talks about that kind of trauma yourself. And so you are the sort of the focus point Mm. for other people that have experienced that. Mm. And so you're the person that ends up feel like fielding that trauma for them that's so much on top of your own stuff well my therapist when i i told her about it and she was like so i told about some of the examples of what people would would say to me and she said but you could be the the first person they ever told this to like maybe you triggered something in them that made them realize something that maybe they never told anyone before and they met you and then you were the first person they could share this with it might be a huge moment for them Mm. and i was like I know exactly what to feel about that, but I feel nothing because it's happened so many times that I've had to shut down those emotions because otherwise I would be a mess. I'd be broken constantly, like taking in everyone's deep trauma and emotions and I would just be sad or I would just be crying all the time for other people. So I've had to shut down everything. And that's my, that's the consequences of that for me is that then Mm. I feel nothing. And that's also very uncomfortable to hear someone's trauma and go like, just feel like your blood is cold and you're like, really, you've just completely shut it down. I dissociate completely because I'm like, I'm sorry, it's too much. And then I feel like a psychopath, (laughs) which is also not the greatest panic one can have. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like I have become my grandfather, but that is, you know, it's sort of, and that, and then people get infuriated when you don't listen to them, and then you're like, "What? Do, what's the right answer?" You know, for me to just not do anything in the public eye, for me to be an asshole, for me to brand myself as an asshole. How do you kind of say to a large group of people to, like, please consider me a human being? Or I, I mean, it's not that, is it? Because they do, but. I don't know because there's nothing you can say without sounding like an ass and like with that so there's also us understanding a person like that completely understanding like you know going to a comedy show trusting that you're not going to be misgendered trusting that these people who talk to you will understand you and then feeling incredibly let down 
but that's also such a because and that my whole thing was but I, I could have said ladies I could have you know you're on stage there's adrenaline you're trying to figure out like timings you're trying to think of the next joke you're trying, there's like 11,000 things happening in your brain when you're on stage um, you know you're just trying to decipher between everything you're trying to keep an eye on the audience and the time and the tech and the and then if someone was suddenly to say something or surprise you because you're thinking of something else, your brain will just go into like caveman thoughts and you just go, sorry, sir. You could be like, oh, shit. Because that is what we've, what I've been saying for 29 years of my life mm. before I learned. Mm. So there's also a thing of going, wow, that, that is what, that's what being outside unfortunately is. And that's why I'm really scared of branding. I'm scared of people reading my shows as safe spaces because they will never be safe spaces i can i can't promise that something won't happen because no i can never be responsible for that you mean it just fit, it feels like a, a big burden for you to carry or do you mean you don't it's just want... a big risk it's a big risk for someone like when i see people go oh you should go to the Sober Hagen show because there'll be a safe space i'll be like no 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 i don't know if the venue you don't want to be you don't want to be responsible for people's i can't experience be re- as a whole yeah there's no way i can like i can't yeah, I, I don't have trigger that. warnings on my show even though i should have i can't promise that the venue staff there won't be some new person who doesn't get you know like who was it we did a we gave for a show we did we gave the mc like how to re- how to greet the audience and it'd be like people of the audience blah, 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 blah. Yeah. and the person went out and said ladies and gentlemen yeah we can't control that we even we gave them a that. You know? we wrote a script for them yeah we can apologize for it. and i think i think i did to people on the way out i think i did say sorry but it's it is a lot isn't it i really i for me i think what i really hope happens in the utopia that we build once the world floods and all the men drown (laughs) is that we're able to have so few assholes that are actively toxic that we live in a nice enough place where people are understanding enough that when people genuinely fuck up it can be treated as a genuine fuck up and everyone is aware enough that they're able to sort of immediately register and go oh i fucked up i'm sorry Mm. and there's a reduction in the amount of trauma that everyone has because there aren't people causing that trauma anymore because they've all drowned. Um, and so things aren't tri- like triggering on that level. Maybe one day we'll have that situation. Obviously now it's more complicated because it's like, well, people are just treated like shit and that is not their fault. Therefore, like, of course, sometimes like something that feels smaller for us happens and it's, incredibly difficult for them it's it's a bit like when uh when you finally realize what microaggressions are like and you unpick like the stereotype of the angry black woman for example which i'm not really qualified to talk about at all but you know when you realize that this stereotype is just people shutting down the experience of people that have to deal with shit on a constant basis that of course no one else notices but it's just like a thousand mosquitoes stinging you every single day and then eventually there's one more mosquito and it sucks and you get angry at it. That is, that is the reality. And of course we have to have compassion for that. It's just also hard to be the vessel for that. And it's also that thing where you're like, well, but I've made myself into a public figure and I'm talking about this stuff and I do want people to, you know, sometimes I do enjoy talking to people about 
their experiences and if they really are on their own of course like as a compassionate human I want to be able to be there for people it is so hard when you feel like you're on your own with that stuff and I've had like some beautiful amazing conversations with people that are trying to come out as gender non-conforming or you know and they've finally found some of the like other shows that I do like like the lol word like we have a lot of people come to the lol word because it's a space that only programs women and non-binary and trans people um of course we have loads of people in that space that want to talk and I love that I think it's so amazing but it is really hard fielding aggression is something I find really hard I think just because of my own life experiences, I find aggression very, very difficult to deal with because, of course, if I've caused someone to be angry, fair enough, if I've done something wrong, mm. of course. But, oh, I suck at dealing with anger. I suck mm. at dealing with anger. Just to expand it outside of this specific situation, mm. I suck at it. I just... I closed down. I think one of the reasons why I was able to deal with it well the other day and just be, even though in my own head I was questioning whether this had happened or not, I knew that if I had done it and I hadn't owned that and apologised, that would be ter like terrible. Fuck with this person even more. You know, the best thing to do is just to really, really apologise because their experience is the more important thing. That's mm. where all of the trauma is. That's what's getting worse for them. So, of course, you apologise, you own it, you say that gender language sucks. You go and you check it on your own time rather than being gaslighty and being like, I mm. don't think so. Go and check. And then when you're sure, mm. you know. Um, but it's... Uh, I really shut down when people are angry and I it's one of the things I find hardest about comedy is that sort of like bantery aggressive way that everyone communicates with each other because I'm just I don't have any time for it it's so fake I'm just like it's like locker room chat it's like when you're in a green room with people we were kind of talking about this yeah. last night when you're in a green room with people and they're just all talking over each other bantering slamming each other down like making comments on each other's appearance like I just don't, it's so boring, so basic. I'm just like, for fuck's sake, like I, I really can't deal. And I think it's because I've had lo like lots of trauma in my life that's related to aggression. Now I'm just like, whenever it happens, I feel this total sense of calm. I think I just dissociate. Mm. I totally dissociate from what's happening. Become very calm, very reasonable, see everything with like quite a high level of clarity. And it's only in that sort of lull afterwards that I'm like, oh my God, I'm so shaken up by what's happened. Sometimes it takes, like this happened a few days ago and I think it took until like yesterday afternoon for me to be like, oh, that was really bad. Mm. Really weird thing to, ooh. Mm. That yeah. was like a, a fever dream night. That's like when you have the nightmare about like waking up and you're naked and you have to sit your school exam. It's like the, the show's over and the stage is silent and you're standing at the front of it and someone is shouting at you in front of a room of people and you've done something wrong and you have to apologize to everyone. That's like yeah. the, that's the nightmare, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't help that I was naked as it happened, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but also the fact that I was holding pronoun badges does make it feel more like a dream. If, yeah, then that you look up your dad's on the ceiling. <laughs> I will leave again. <laughs> Remember who you are. Everything um, you see is yours. <laughs> <laughs> this audience of hostile people <laughs> from the front to the back. <laughs> everything the light touches. <laughs> 
is yours now. Um, I do, I do, I shut down when it's passive aggressive. Aggression, yeah, I think I get scared. You just of, but disconnect. Passive aggressive, I go, I go psychopath. I go full, and I'm not saying that's like a throwaway. Like it feels like I'm channeling my grandfather. Whenever someone's like, well, I guess I'll just do the dishes, or I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, here's another plate. Like I go full on, like no, I am not responding to it because I spent my whole childhood trying to decipher passive aggressiveness and then trying to figure out if is this real, is it not real, is this a, do they are they actually angry, is this a shit, that, are they being honest about them doing? So now when people do it, I'm like, no, you tell me if you told me in an aggressive way, do the fucking dishes, I'd respect it way more. I'd react to it and be like, oh, yeah, of course I will. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> then I'll happily do it and I will not even be mad about it. But, is that oh. a Danish thing? Or am I being am I being? It's, I think it, there's, a, there's a, an aspect of it. Yeah. There's an aspect of it. Because there is, I do think, now that we're, and I'm not saying that Danish and Swedish people are the same, because <laughs> I know that would upset you, but I do, there does seem to be like a directness in Scandinavia. Yeah. Like I, I used to have a Norwegian flatmate and he was very direct. And one of the only times that he truly, truly listened to me was when I was incredibly direct with him. And it was a standard. I was like, oh my God, if I just tell you you're being a fucking cunt right now. Mm. Oh, you're just going to stop being a fucking cunt. Oh my God, I'm going to tell you all the time. This is amazing. Yeah. Like I think of someone in the street here, if someone said, hi, how are you? And the other person said, oh, I'm well, how are you? You'd go, what's wrong? Mm. What's happening? What, mm. what are you not telling me? What are you trying to say? Because that would be such a weird thing to just be, oh, well, how are you? Like, what? You can't just be, like, are you? What, really? Like, it's just, it's that I found that, I've, for me, when I moved to the UK, that was rude. So, oh, hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm well. Like, what? What are we doing? This is bullshit. <laughs> like, what, we're just pretending? It is a strange ritual. It is very weird. Especially in a country with such poor mental health and <laughs> high levels of hatred and aggression. <laughs> it is strange. And to be fair, we have that too. <laughs> yeah, the guys yeah, Toxic masculinity. <laughs> Can I ask about, um, just to change the topic a bit, uh, but not even really, you said you were non-binary and your pronouns were they, they, them, they. Is that the first time you've said that bit? You've said you're non-binary, but I think on a podcast, on our podcast, you said she, he, them. Yeah, I think that is the first time I've said that publicly. You're the gatekeeper of my gender transition. People are not allowed to come out as anything unless it is on my podcast. I have to ask daddy. I have to come here and ask daddy. <laughs> Sophie, may I please? <laughs> That's the first time I've ever said that my pronouns are they, them. And I guess it's been over the last year that I've slowly come out to friends. Not in a big way. I don't think anyone was surprised by that. What was the process like from... He, she, they, he, she, them, to just them. I think, well, for a lot of people, not, you know, using a variety of pronouns is, is what is right for them, is their gender identity, is their gender fluidity. But for me, I think that part of the process was very much part of me feeling quite dissociated and feeling quite questioning this could change again you know mm. it's a it's a journey i think when travis alabanza came and um i guess that that episode of secret dinosaur cult isn't out yet but when they came and um were our guest in edinburgh they said something really profound that i'm now gonna fuck up that's why you shouldn't have friends that are poets um <laughs> but they said that it's you know it's like a constant journey it doesn't it doesn't end you're just mm. it's a constant progression 
and uh right now i think that that bit where i was like he she they it's all good i just want to be seen was quite a dissociated part of that journey where i i was really really trying to be more aware of what felt good and not really being sure about what felt good because i feel very dissociated a lot of the time um very focused on other people very focused on my work um very focused on thinking about other people's experiences um and then feeling a lot of self-doubt and being like you know like even when we Mm. were talking about what happened the other day it's like that whole cycle where you're like i feel compassion for that person why am i not thinking about myself well you shouldn't really be thinking about yourself anyway because it's not really about you oh you're now talking about it on a podcast like how dare you it's not about you like how dare you talk about your experience why would you um make things focused on you trans experiences is so important oh you're also trans also maybe it is okay do you look self-involved do you look you know it's so difficult to accept that it is okay to talk about my own experience or with gender with gender identity because i it's like that imposter syndrome thing and i think especially with non-binary gender identities it's a thing that has only recently been talked about more in um like white western cultures obviously elsewhere that's not that's not true but um you know i definitely wasn't aware of like non-binary well, non-cis male, cis female, trans women, trans men, gender identities when I was growing up at all. Um, and actually, I was very unaware of trans male public figures. I don't, that's, that wasn't a thing that I was aware of. Um, and I think that's why it took so long and why I felt so dissociated for so long because I really felt like it was just the same narrative of like being being a tomboy growing up and then being um you know obviously I had my gorgeous red mullet phase it's fantastic it's amazing I was still closeted then I think everyone fucking knew (laughs) I don't I don't see how they couldn't um and then you know where it's slowly starting to dress in a more mask way because I was so dissociated because I didn't have um clear role models that I could look to but also because I think that a lot of the Um, phobia that I felt directed towards me when I was growing up I processed it as being homophobia Mm. but I think it was actually hatred of um, maskness for anyone that isn't a cis man fear of butchers fear of mask people um, fear of uh, women brackets that aren't thin and androgynous And I think that as a society, we convince ourselves that we're okay with um, women presenting in a more mask way because we have these very thin, very androgynous supermodels that we accept or we have, yeah, we have like, 
icons in popular culture who dress in a very like mask or andro- androgynous way because that's that's what we refer to that as when it's thin people they're dressing like mm. that but if you're someone who isn't thin and is dressing in a mask way that it's received completely differently and I think when I came out to my family even though actually I think they were very accepting of the fact that at the time I was coming out to them as a a lesbian they were very scared about how I would look because of it you know my mum my mum who's a good feminist and a good well a flawed feminist who's working on it but had very strong feminist principles and was very sex positive while I was growing up I wouldn't say she was homophobic at all um she told me she didn't want me to be a dungaree wearing Doc Martin stomping dyke and that feels so horrible you know that stays with you and her reasoning behind that because I asked her to unpick it was that she wanted me to be me she didn't want me to go and join a group of people who were going to tell me how to dress and you know tell me to behave in a certain way and I think it's almost that fear of toxic masculinity Mm. that I do think a lot of um uh like butch queer people do absorb like I do think there's definitely a problem with um like mask non-cis men treating women badly because we've sort of subconsciously absorbed that but I think it was partly that fear of toxic masculinity but also just that distaste that feeling of oh how oh it's weird for you to take up space in that way it looks bad it looks unflattering it looks you know why can't you make an effort because we you know have this idea that you have to look like you've made an effort otherwise you won't be societally acceptable and if you're um, not thin and you dress in a mask way then it looks like you haven't made an effort and it looks like you're a slob and it looks you know it's like Kevin Kevin Bay said um yeah uh if if you're fat if you're fat and mask you just look like you've given up yeah you just look like, like, like you're a failed you're a failed woman yeah and oh, I'm very lucky that I have so many I work on so many incredible projects that do not would not ever make me feel like that I'm surrounded by fantastic you know we make our podcast together um my work with pex drag kings of course none of them hate mask people because we dress up as men (laughs) um the lol word like I've none in none of those spaces would I ever feel like that and it's but it's so weird stepping outside them and being like oh for fuck's sake um it's so because i think most of us even if we have a good network of those people who get it then sometimes it's only like one step further like meeting a friend of a friend and mm-hmm. then suddenly you're like oh, oh you're not even you don't even know that non-binary is a thing mm-hmm. or you know it's like it's almost like you meet someone new and they you realize they're still 30 years behind and you're like fuck and then you kind of kind of realize how much learning has been that you have had to do yourself yeah. in a very short period of time. And you're like, wow, this person just doesn't even know that there are things to learn. Yeah. And it's, I'm lucky in that I think because, because of the context I grew up in, because of growing up in quite a working class family and um, not really 
you know not having any not having any money at all like really like we had like the so little money um and that being such a massive stressor and it not really leaving space for non-important drama in our lives we already had so much drama you know homelessness and all of that stuff takes up so much space that it really delayed a lot of processing this stuff I think a lot of it and I it delayed me realizing that I um was queer it's so really delayed me processing my sexuality and even when I was processing it I didn't really talk about it at home because there was so much other stuff going on even though I knew that 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 would be okay there just wasn't space for it and I think it almost taught me to push all this stuff to the back of my head you know it's like don't ask for more of people don't lay this like new gender identity they don't know anything about at their feet you know I'm not out to my wider family and I actually I think the vast majority of them would probably be really supportive and would try and understand um but it's just it's it's that thing that goes oh they're gonna think that you're this like metropolitan wanker who's made who's made up this thing because it's just not it's not really talked about yeah 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 so what has happened is i have decided to make this a two-parter at the time of recording this episode this these two episodes um i thought it was going to be one episode so i made an intro and an outro within the same recordings that jody was present for both the intro and the outro but Jody is not present right now. Well, Jody's in their room. Uh, it's on the phone. So not to be, I hope it's not too confusing. Basically, I've recorded this afterwards as like an extra um, outro. So what will happen in the second episode next week is that I will record an intro <laughs> separately from that. And then the outro you'll hear is the original one. Does that make any sense? Listen, it'll be fine. What I'm saying is there's another part to this uh, because Jody and I had so much to talk about. It's a special episode in many, many ways because Jody is obviously like a very close friend of mine. They've, you know, gone through so much stuff and like even, you know, even just the experience we had on Sunday was big enough that it needed to be chatted about both because of our emotions about it, but also because of the, you know, the political circumstances around it, etc., etc. Now, what I'm just going to say is a quick thank you and uh, for listening and let you know that there is more to it. We get into a lot of great chat in the next bit. Uh, we also just recorded an excellent um, extra bit for the Patreon where Jody answered the six questions that I always ask people and they were great about it and they're a controversial, unpopular opinion. I don't know if I agree with which is always exciting, isn't it? And if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, and help the podcast financially. It helps. It's not, that it's not just that it helps a lot. It makes the podcast. So I really appreciate it um, if you do do that. And if you pay more than $5 per episode, uh, I just want to say thank you very much. <laughs> and you become a friend of the podcast, meaning I'm going to say your name now. Now, this is a bit strange because... The first time I saw this list of names was when I recorded the outro when Jody was here, when I thought it was going to be a one-parter. 
um, it's just too long to be a one-parter. So now I'm going to see it for the second time. And next time you're going to hear my, my genuine surprise at some of the newbies. <laughs> They're going to be less surprised now. So uh, thank you for all of your support, for telling your friends, for the five-star ratings, for just being great, great, great people. Um, I am doing a live episode of the Mopod on the 22nd of September in London at the Steel Yard. So do come to that uh, yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you to these absolute heroes. I want to say thank you to Alan Bland, who's new, welcome, Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Andy Knoblog, Ashley Salmon, Awesome Blue Sky, Barry Norton, Caitlin Catposay, Cherry Windsor, Claire McCowlin, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Vanilla Dunn, Privacy Osaurus, Aurora Terratops, Fiona Richardson, Grace Ann, you're new, hi Grace Ann, uh, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minnett, Heather Watson, Ida Sugulasen, Janie Mahoney, Joe C, Kathleen Gulmanson, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelson, Kathy Travis, Kaylee Renault, Renault, Renault. Kim Williams, Kirsten Davison, Chrissy Nicholson. Think you're new. Hello, Chrissy. M Dash, Mari Fraser, Melo, Manon Elian, Marquesa Dubalova, Megan Roberts, and then my favorite new person. Oh Patreon, my pat my Oh Patreon, my pat Patreon. Oh Tigorific O. Uh, Paul Swaddle, Paul Williams, uh, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Fenne. Rachel, not really, it's Lily and Harry French in a Rachel costume. Uh, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phyllis, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Cabot, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferrer, Eikerstedt, Sarah Ellett, Sarah Plumer, Susie Tyler, Victoria Greer, and Victoria Layton. And then I want to say a massive thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode, in particular this episode, because this is a mess of an edit. So thank you, Dave, for being a hero. I want to thank Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle and then the Brinkhouse for the logo. And of course, thank you to Jody for being such an amazing guest who had enough to say that it had to be divided into two separate episodes so that people could enjoy it uh, even more. <laughs> so thank you to everyone. And uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Bye. Oh,